to Totalus Rankium. This week, Constantia 3! And welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And this is episode 73, and it's Constantius 3. Oh, did you do that on purpose? No. Oh. <laughs> Day one when we were planning Augustus. Yeah. I know what will be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, oh, well. didn't. Fair enough. Constantius 3, though? Yeah. Yeah, heard of him before? Um, to, to be fair, in my defence, I've heard of very few of these emperors. Oh, right, okay. Um, but no. He's not hugely well-known. Okay. We have covered him a little bit so far. Yeah. How do you think he's going to do? Not good. Okay. Because <laughs> the whole West thing's not going well. Constantine three was just... Poor guy. <laughs> poor, poor guy. So, well, yeah. let's find out, shall we? So, this is where we take up the story that I left halfway through Honorius's episode. Okay, so two episodes ago. Yes, if you remember, Alaric had just died. Yes, Ah. Oh. Yes, and he'd been buried under the river. And no one knows where he's buried. No. Still they don't. Unless someone did find it and just didn't tell anyone. I was thinking right now, someone's like, there's an Italian excavator. It's like, oh. Well, it says a long time ago. I mean, in the year 964, someone could have found it. It's not as if he would have posted it on Facebook. Why not? Poor Wi-Fi. Ah. Yeah. So anyway, Alaric is dead. Yes. So we now get to pick up the story with Constantius. But a quick recap first. Please, thank you. So, Stilicho died, leaving Alaric alone without someone to deal with. Mm. Olympius then took over. Oh, yes. If you remember, he had a hard-line approach to the Goths. Or a stupid approach. Well, you could call it that, yes. Yeah. This angered Alaric, who went into Italy, sieged Rome a few times, <laughs> without succeeding much. Then, finally, Alaric had enough. He sacked Rome in 410. This is when Galla Placidia was taken hostage. That's the wife of... Sister of... Sister of... Honorius? Honorius, yes, the emperor. And... Al... Alaria, no, Alaric. No? Arcadius. Arcadius. Arcadius, yes. Glad to see you're keeping all these names straight in your head. Oh, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> To be fair, two of them were very forgettable. Oh, yes. <laughs> they were. So, Galla Placidia taken hostage, sister of the emperor. Alaric then decides to go to Africa. However, Alaric died on the way, Did? leaving the Goths under the rule of Alaric's brother-in-law, Atulf. Oh, yes. He's a great name. Atulf. So, the year is 410. Honorius is on the throne in the west, sitting in Ravenna. Theodosius II is on the throne in the east. We'll get to know him a bit more next week in his episode. Britain has just fallen, although it would take a while for everyone to realise this. Constantine III is in Gaul, claiming emperorship. He has Gaul and Spain, sort of. If you remember, Gerontius yeah. is revolting in Spain yes. as well. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Atulf is in the south of Italy with a large group of Goths and the emperor's sister as prisoner. And a man named Jovinus has just declared himself emperor in the Rhine. <laughs> and Rome has just been sacked. And Gaul and Spain are overrun with Vandals, Alans, Suvi, and other groups. Things generally are looking bad. Yeah, it's not going great, is it? Really, really looking it's, bad. It's sort of 
uh, crisis time. So yeah. many people trying to be emperor, everything yeah. getting smashed up. Yeah, it's a mess. Mm. So let's see how Constantius does, shall we? Oh dear. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> born as Flavius Constantius at some point. Okay, so he was born. Yes, I'm going to guess around 360, 370. Of the 365. Yeah, I'm guessing he's in his 40s okay. at this point. But I have nothing to base that on, apart from the fact I'm guessing he's not really young or really old. Okay, yeah, there we go. He was born in modern-day Serbia. We know that as well. And at some point, you guessed it, he joined the army and and rose rose through the the ranks. ranks. There we go. Fighting under Theodosius I. Okay, so that was quite a while ago then. Yes, he probably fought against Magnus Maximus. Ooh, great-greatest. Great-greatest. And then Arbogast. Helping Theodosius win those civil wars. Mm. Although he was probably just a sort of lowly commander at that time. Probably not a foot soldier, but little power. Maybe he mucked out the latrines. <laughs> Even lower. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Who knows? He's we... part of the army. That could be He's anything. part of the army. Yeah, he did something. He then seemed to stay in the West after Theodosius's death and worked for Stilicho. Although not in a high-level capacity still, as he's not mentioned by any of the sources at this point. This is all speculation, really. Okay. At the time that we rejoin the story, so the year 410, Constantius is promoted to Stilicho's old position, commander of the armies. So he's risen at this point. (laughs) We don't know how he did it, but he rises to the top. Well, I guess you hear a lot when you're cleaning out the latrines. You do, you get a lot of power. Mm. Get a lot of dirt. Ooh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, Constantius's rise seems to end the power struggles between the Stilicho and Olympius factions. Yeah. And in fact, Constantius manages to put an end to Olympius's attempts to dominate the court by ordering Olympius's death. Okay. Yes, he was clubbed to death. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> now that could be two things. Either beaten with big sticks. Yeah. Or taken on such a, a bender... Yeah. Drinking so much that he just ends just up dying. dance and dance and dance. Yeah. Forgets to rehydrate. Yeah. So, with this internal fighting swiftly sorted out, Constantius looks at his list of problems. He is now chief advisor, de facto ruler of the West. Nice. <laughs> so, here's your list of problems. <laughs> Scroll number one. <laughs> so, what should he do first? There were Goths down south. There's the Barbarian Invasion. There's the Usurper's... Constantine III, Garantius, and Jovinus. Which one should he tackle first? The most imminent one, which is probably barbarians, I guess. They're, they're coming from the Rhine, aren't they? Uh, a lot of historians say this is what he should have done, but he See? did. He did not. He did not do that. He decides that having a usurper is the worst crime, and decides to take care of Constantine III. Again, this has the problem that he'll be facing other Romans when, as you say, barbarians are overwhelming the empire. But Constantius felt that this was important. It's all that national pride, isn't it? It's like, screw everything else, that's more important. Possibly. And and then you think, well, why don't you just get him on your side and join up against the barbarians? Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because Constantius put together a force and went north into Gaul. Now, I couldn't figure out which force this is exactly. I'm guessing this is the Roman forces that were stationed in Italy that didn't dare to face Alaric previously <laughs> no, no, because no. Alaric was too strong. So I'm guessing he went <laughs> north with those forces. There's some suggestion that he got some Hunnic mercenaries at this time as well. Mm. So maybe he's using those. But either way, he marches swiftly up into Gaul as soon as he's got power. 
When he reaches Constantine's headquarters of Arles, he was possibly surprised to see that someone had beaten him to it. Hmm. Gerontius had already sieged the city and was starving Constantine out. Oh, this is when he looked out his window and went, Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, I mean rescue. Oh, oh dear. Constantius stopped to think about his options here. <laughs> he looks over the hill and sees two usurpers. What to do? Kill two birds and one stone. Yes, let's do that. We don't have the details, but he quickly took out Garantius's forces, who then in turn turned against their leader and burned him to death in a barn. Nice. That's one usurper down. <clears throat> Constantius then set up his own siege lines. Constantine was already in bad shape, and all Constantius had to do was wait him out. But then, as we saw last week... Forces belonging to Constantine appeared. This was a large host of Franks and Alamanni under the pay of Constantine. But also, as we covered last week, the battle went in Constantius's favour. <laughs> and within a couple of weeks, he had defeated two of the problems on his list. Doing quite well, then. Yeah. It's like ticking that first scroll off. One yeah, time. that decision, like you <clears throat> rightly pointed out, seems a bit silly to go after Constantine first, but actually... It worked. Yeah. He got rid of Constantine and Garantius straight away. So, Constantine was captured, and because he was now a priest, remember? <laughs> you can't kill me. I'm a priest. I'm a worker of God. Yes, he was sent back to Honorius. However, much to everyone's dismay, Constantine tragically cut his own head off by accident just a few miles out of Ravenna. <laughs> Probably putting his tent up or something and slept. <laughs> He was using a sword to hammer in the pentex. Of course. Like you do. He was using the, the pommel. Yeah. Because he didn't have his hammer and it just slipped and oh, into the neck. Head clean off. Yeah. Tragic. Very clean. Tragic accident. Yes. <laughs> That's what the investigators said. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Still, Honorius didn't lose too much sleep over that. Because only a year previously he was fearful of his life due to Constantine III and Alaric. And now they were both dead. Mm. Things are looking up. But that does not mean that everything is fine. In fact, even with these victories, things are still looking very bad. Yeah. Yeah, he's ticked a couple of things off his list, but it's a long list. But what's next up? He pulls out his list, looks at point number three, the third usurper, uh. Jovinus. Oh, yes. He's next. Now, Jovinus had been elevated by a group of Alans and Burgundians, along with a large portion of Constantine III's defected troops. Okay. This is a big problem. Jovinus now has a large army. Yeah. And things were about to get worse. So is he not recognised as an emperor? Because I know, no. I know you, you're not going to do an, em an episode on him, are you? Oh, no, that's someone else. Oh. The person on the poster is Jonas. Oh. Who is a different person. Oh. And I don't think we're going to do an, em uh, an episode on him. Uh, we'll see. Hmm. Yes, no, this is Jovinus, who has been elevated by a group of barbarians to do their bidding okay. on the Rhine. And, as I say, things were about to get worse because Atulf joins the story here. He has such a good name. Does have a good name, doesn't he? And he is now king of the Goths. He decided that rather than going to Africa, which, remember, was Alaric's plan, yeah. he was going to change course and head into Gaul. Oh, dear. And ally himself with one of the forces who was threatening Honorius from the north. Brilliant. Why fight Honorius on our own? Let's go and join with the other forces that are fighting Honorius. Together mm. we'll take him down. Good plan from Atulf there. Atulf. Constantius 
who had just been made consul at this point, realising that this was going to be difficult to beat this army, decided to hold back on military solutions for a little while and um, just try something else instead. Diplomacy? Yes. But we're going to leave Constantius there for a while and we're going to join Atulf. Yay! He's got a great name. He has got a great name. So, Atulf is now leading the Goths, as I've said. Now, he was a Gothic aristocrat anyway, in his own right. But also, he was the brother-in-law and right-hand man of Alaric. So it was not hard for him to take over once Alaric was dead. Yeah. It was a natural progression. Everyone started to follow him. Although that's not to say there were no problems, as we will see later. Atulf had decided to go north to Gaul, as I'd mentioned, but he did not go alone. Obviously, he took his army with him. <laughs> but also, he had two important guests slash prisoners. Gala. The first one is Gala, yes, who is a hostage, but treated with all respect. In fact, she would have regular contact with Atulf, and he would often talk to her about her well-being. Do you think they, you know, knew each other well? Oh, yes, they did. Oh. They knew each other <clears throat> extremely well. <laughs> So we're in a meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but we'll get back to that shortly. Because the second guest, who was not a prisoner, he was there voluntarily, was Atalus. Now, we came across him last week. No, two weeks ago. Did we put a box around his name? No, although he did usurp. Remember, he is the Roman senator who Alaric elevated to emperor in an attempt yeah. To usurp Honorius. And then within a year, Alaric went, this isn't working. Yeah. And Atalus just stepped down. Fair enough. And I said, but they left <laughs> on friendly terms. Yeah. Yeah. Which is proved here because Atalus is still hanging around with the Goths thinking, oh, you know, might like get my it. chance at some point. So off they all go to Gaul to make an offer of allegiance with Jovinus. But they were not the only ones. There was another man travelling north. And this was a man named Sarus, who got very briefly mentioned in Honorius' episode. Okay. If you remember, just before Alaric sacked Rome, Honorius attempted to destroy Alaric's forces. Yes. And instigate a coup inside Alaric's forces at the same time. And they both failed. Yeah, they did. The man leading the troops was Sarus. Okay. And it was his brother-in-law who was inside Alaric's forces, who staged the coup. Oh, right. So this is a Gothic man high up in the Roman army called Sarus, who Alaric despised and therefore Atulf despises. Oh, dear. And Sarus, falling out with Honorius, decides he's also going to go north <laughs> and pledge allegiance to Jovinus. So we've got the entire Gothic army under Atulf heading north. And mm. we've also got Sarus with his own personal bodyguard of about 20 men heading north. Atulf hears about Sarus's decision to defect and is not very happy. He hates Sarus. Yeah. So he advances with 10,000 men. <laughs> against 20. Against the 20. Oh, dear. And apparently, according to the sources, <laughs> this battle actually took place. Sarus didn't give in. They actually had a battle, if you can call it a battle. (laughs) I can't even imagine that. (laughs) Right, (laughs) man! So can you feel a rumbling? 
yeah it's <laughs> probably an earthquake oh it's the army oh dear yeah you need one hell of a motivational speech wouldn't you oh we're talking lord of the rings oh yeah speech here. <laughs> right now you haven't got horses <laughs> Grab your sword. We left them behind. They're too heavy. Oh. There's only 20 of us. Run away. We can't. They've encircled us. <laughs> Dig. <laughs> you will be utterly, utterly shocked to learn that a tulf came out on top in this battle. Oh, but it's close, though. <laughs> must have been close. Apparently, Cyrus fought bravely. Four of ten seconds. <laughs> yes. But then was seized and executed. So 10,000... Versus 20. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even if the numbers are ridiculously exaggerated, it's still ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, that little story has very little impact on the overall story of what's happening. I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. I've included it. But overall, what's happening is Atulf is heading up north yeah. to join with Jovinus, but he has killed one of Jovinus's supporters on the way. Now, Jovinus, not very happy about this. He didn't give the order... For Saris to be killed, Saris was coming up to pledge allegiance to him. Mm. So that's not good. He's my BFF. Well, he would have been. And it was in this fractured political landscape that Constantius's plan caught up. Envoys of Constantius met with Atulf. An alliance once existed with Alaric and Stilicho. Mm. Could one exist between Alaric's brother and Stilicho's successor? Wondered Constantius. Mm. Atulf, realizing Jovinus wasn't happy with him, agrees. Although we don't know the terms here. It's possible, though, that this is when Atulf started discussing the possibility of marriage to Gala. Ah. Honorius was having none of that. No, no, no. (laughs) Horrible goth's not marrying my sister. But a deal was definitely struck, and Atulf defects back away from Jovinus and sides with Honorius and Constantius. Atulf was powerful enough that this defection meant Jovinus realised he was in bad shape. He decided to hold up in the most well-fortified city at the time, Arles. Yes, the same one that Constantine had just been defeated in. Oh! Yes, it had worked so well for him. It's true, yeah. Let's try that again. Um, Well, they didn't get in. Well, they did eventually. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so does Atulf. <laughs> because Atulf attacks, captures Jovinus. He was sent in chains to Ravenna. But then, to the horror of everyone involved, he tragically cut his own head off while also setting up his tent on the way. Oh, home. It's, yeah. it's dangerous. It it's is. a dangerous journey. Not, not enough is said about the, the, the dangers and the hazards that come with putting tents up. Yeah, with swords. Yeah. Yeah. So, Constantius looks down on his list. Usurper number three. Check. Check. But why wasn't Constantius up in Gaul doing this himself? Partly, it's because he'd engineered the Goths to do his work for him, which is quite good. But also, something else was going on. The sources are very sketchy here, but as far as we can tell, something was going on in Africa. Now, as I've said a few times recently, there's been this vague plan to take Africa to weaken Italy for some while with the Goths. That's the grain. Yeah, let's cut off the grain and it will weaken Italy. So Africa's clearly important. So obviously, Honorius has someone good in charge of Africa. He, he needs someone good there. Oh, yeah. Gildo, if you remember, is now gone. <laughs> yeah. So, so someone is definitely there looking after the place, right? Yes. There is. His name is Heraclianus. 
Heraclianus. Heraclianus. Yes, possibly pronounced that way. Heraclianus, maybe? Heracle- that sounds better. Let's go for Heraclianus. Heri- Very capable, in charge of Africa, looking after the grain. Yeah. So this time he declared himself emperor. Ah. <laughs> Constantius's to-do list was one that just kept being added to. Fashion of the scroll. Another usurper to take on. And a more dangerous one, arguably. Oh, possibly. Or the grain. Yes. Until you defeat Heraclianus, Italy has no food. So, Heraclianus does not sit there waiting to be attacked himself and goes on the offensive and lands in Italy with an army and starts marching north to Rome. Perhaps thinking of repeating Alaric's ploy. Yeah. However, and again, sources are very sketchy here. But it appears that Constantius III either marched down himself or sent a lieutenant to go and destroy the usurper in a large battle. Or they didn't fight at all, and Heraclianus, seeing Constantius' army, realised that he couldn't win this and ran away, but then was captured. Ah. So something happens, Heraclianus loses, essentially. Is that the end of him, or does he build a tent as well? No, oh no, he he was actually executed. Oh, okay. He wasn't sent sent back to Ravenna, which probably send him to Ravenna by now is just a euphemism. <laughs> send him to Ravenna. And all the people in Ravenna going, this is doing terrible for tourism. <laughs> Who came up with this? There's <laughs> lots of empty streets and people with postcards on stands looking really sad. Yeah. <laughs> that I love Ravenna t-shirts. <laughs> no one's coming anymore. <laughs> So, yes, as I say, Heraclianus dealt with, and all his land and money was transferred over to Constantius. Uh-huh, which good. is nice for him. So here we are. It's around 4.13 now. Actually, it's only like 20 past 11. <laughs> and Constantius III has put down four uprisings. He's done very well. He crosses the usurper's name off his list with some satisfaction. Ah. <sighs> But don't forget that all his victories have been against other Romans so far. That's true. That massive invasion is still going on, and has by now fully spread into Spain. Ah. However, and this is the defence against his decision to take on the usurpers first, he now has united the Western Empire. He now has the entire resources of the Western Empire to call upon to now fight the barbarians. That's a good point. And it's not as if he took long putting these usurpations down. It took him two years. Wow. Yeah, so, actually, it was a good call by him. Could have gone horribly wrong, but it seems yeah, to be working. I was expecting it to go shockingly bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, in order to make sure his troops stayed loyal, he, at this point, gives everyone a pay rise. Just to make sure their loyalty doesn't wander off somewhere. <laughs> And he sat down to start phase two of Operation Sort This Mess Out. (laughs) Gaul was overrun, Spain was overrun. There was an undefeated kingdom of Goths that were loose in the empire, with the emperor's sister and an ex-usurper in tow. Mm. And yes, they were sort of on side at the moment, but it's still a ticking time bomb. The decision on which one of these problems to take on first was made for him, however. Did one advance? A letter comes through from Atulf. He wanted more. Now, again, we don't know for sure what, because we don't know what the terms were to begin with. It's not a passion. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> more what? Just more. <laughs> um, okay. Yes. So when he Atulf agreed to defect from Jovinus, he was given something. 
Okay. And now he wants more of whatever he was given. Probably grain. Possibly money. Land? Not at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, Constantius realises it's time to go and finally sort the goals out. He marches back north. Now, again, we're short on details, but some skirmishes take place with no obvious winner. Okay. Atulf, clearly abandoning any pretense of a deal with Rome, decided it was time to bring back Alaric's plan of making his own emperor. And Italus, for the second time, was risen to emperor. <laughs> Yay, I'm emperor again. It was so much fun last time. (laughs) It worked so well. But this was not the only ploy of Atolf, because this is when he marries Gala Placidia. And we have a quote here. Placidia sat in the hall decorated in Roman manner, and by her side sat Atolf, wearing a Roman's general cloak and other Roman clothing. Ooh, that's... Seems to be not... He's not respecting his heritage and his culture. No, we see with Alaric and Atulf, they were both very willing to be Romanized, hmm. And Stilicho was quite willing to let them do that. But then Stilicho died. Yeah, Olympia. He yes, Olympias that. didn't want anything to, to yeah. do with it. He was one of the hardliners. Do you think some of the, the guests watching it just, like, sickened? This is disgusting. Yes. Where are the furs and the skulls? <laughs> there were Goodness. some people. There were a lot of people who were on board with the Romanisation. <laughs> it's so modern. <laughs> but there were definitely some who were not very happy, as we will see later. Okay. Included in the guest list of a wedding was Atellus. So, the apparent emperor of Rome was there. Because this was, as you pointed out, a Roman affair. In fact, perhaps this is where Atulf was to discuss the speech that he's most famous for. Although this speech is probably made up. Okay. Friends. Romans. (laughs) Yeah, it was that one. No, it's this one. At first, I wanted to erase the Roman name and convert all Roman territory into a Gothic empire. I longed for Romania to become Gothia and a tulf to be what Caesar Augustus had been. But long experience has taught me that the undergoverned wildness of the Goths will never submit to laws, and that without law a state is not a state. Therefore I have more prudently chosen the different glory of reviving the Roman name with Gothic vigour, and I hope to be acknowledged as the instigator of a Roman restoration, since it is impossible for me to alter the character of this empire." Mm. Apparently he said (laughs) Now, more than likely he never said this But it's uh, just give a rough indication of what the Goths might have been thinking at this time We can't beat Rome, but we can join it and take it over from the inside (laughs) Yeah, they're more insidious Yeah So, back to the wedding though I'd like to think he stood up and said this halfway through the wedding Yeah, took his armour, I love Rome t-shirt underneath Yeah (laughs) So I think after giving the speech, Atulf turns to Gala and then presents his wedding gift. Which is lots of things like gems and silks and things you'd expect. But most importantly, historically, is the gift of 50 Gothic warriors who became her personal bodyguard. Now this becomes important later because she doesn't give these guys up. (laughs) Remember, 50 bodyguards are not just for Christmas. They're for life. You've got to look after your bodyguards. You have, yeah. Yeah. Thing for walks, exercise, balanced diet. Yes. So, a small time passes, and the two sides are dancing around each other again. And again, as under Alaric and Stilicho, it's hard to describe the two sides as foes at this point. Hmm. Fighting seems to cease for a while, 
they're, they're sussing each other up. It's an interesting period of history, this, between the Goths and the Romans. Yeah. Clearly got people inside both factions that actually just want peace. And you've got some that don't. So you've got yeah. this, this tension going on. It's like 52% want to fight, <laughs> 48% want peace. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. And then suddenly there's some shocking news. <gasps> Atolf and Gala have a son. Oh, where did he come from? That's what Gala said. Shortly before, naming him Theodosius, after her father. Ooh. This was big news. Honorius has no children, and since divorcing Stilicho's second daughter, he had displayed no interest in creating a child. And this meant that little Theodosius, half-Gothic prince and half-Roman Caesar, was now the heir to the throne. Ooh. Was this the piece in the puzzle that would end the fighting between these peoples? Guessing no? No, it's really not. No. no. <laughs> Constantius and Honorius were not happy. <laughs> Rather than see this as a possible chance at peace, they saw this as an attempt to seize the throne. Mm. Constantius made plans. He knew that he could not take on the Goths by force, but he could take a leaf out of his old commander's book. He would outmaneuver Atolf and starve them out. Remember, Stilicho played this trick all the time. To it worked really effect. well. Yeah. Yes. And so does Constantius. Ah. The plan works perfectly. Within a year, the Goths are forced out of Gaul and into Spain. At this point, Italus was captured. Oh dear. And sent to Ravenna. Oh dear. But no, he actually made it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he made it and was exiled once there. Yeah. Oh, oh. well, the tourism shop's really happy. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny tour. Oh, don't exile him. No. Oh, it's gone. Postcard. <laughs> Send it back to us once you reach your... No? Oh. <laughs> so, Constantius, very busy at this point, but not too busy that he can't pull out his list and just cross off usurper number five <laughs> off his list. Done. Shortly after this, Atolf and Gala have some terrible news. Little Theodosius has died. Oh. Atolf's trump card was taken away from him. Constantius did not relieve the pressure, however... Oh, it's just an excuse then, isn't it? Because they clearly can't. Even if they were trying to seize power, they can't now. So you could just say, OK, we'll be friends again, because it's easier that way. Uh, yeah, no, Constantius does not think that's a good plan. Okay. Constantius keeps the pressure on. Now, without their Roman Caesar, and with many of them starving, Atulf soon finds himself with fewer and fewer supporters. And it was not long before he was killed in a coup. No! Yes. Apparently, he had recently, and I love this, hired a man... To help him with his horse. A horseman. A horseman. Oh, they called an ostler. An ostler, yes. And this man had a name, and his name was Dubious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Hi, I'm Dubious. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Dubious Maximus. <laughs> like, yeah, so I'm looking for someone to uh, help me with my horse. I could help you. <laughs> <laughs> we do ask, though, that all, all horse workers do trim their big moustaches off, though. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very interesting collection of knives you have there. <laughs> Dubious. <laughs> One day, in the stables, perhaps inevitably, Dubious stabbed the Gothic king to death. The new Gothic king, Sir Jeric, was apparently a harsh anti-Roman, so we've got one of the hardliners in. So like he said, some of them were not happy with Atulf's approach at all. 
He was the Gothic equivalent to Olympias, essentially. Oh, but in opposite reverse. Yes. He chained Gala up and forced her to walk behind his horse. Ugh. Things are looking bad for Gala. Say for Gala, you see horses bottom the whole time. Yeah, it's not good. Not what you want. However, this misery only lasts a week because the Goths revolted again and Sir Jeric was murdered right. and he was replaced with the much more pro-Roman Walia. Walia. So where is Walia? No one knew. <laughs> That's why it took a week. <laughs> Sir Jeric's taken over. Where's Walia gone? Everyone's Quick. wearing the same red and white striped tops. We can't find him. <laughs> this was... The opportunity Constantius was waiting for. He let Walia know that he would provide food for the starving Goths if Gala Placidia was returned. Oh. Walia agreed and gave up their prize hostage. And in return, they did not starve to death. Now, you said earlier, she doesn't give up her 50. No. They go along with her. Ooh. Yes. So, Constantius looked at his list and crossed off Rescue Princess. <laughs> of a smile to himself when he yeah. did that one. I'm doing really well. Yeah. The Goths were now subdued. So Constantius realised that it was finally, finally, after an entire decade, time to deal with this mass invasion of Vandals, Alans, Surveyans and others. Is he emperor yet? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> now again, we have few details here, but this is the overarching story. Constantius kept his dealings with Walia up. In return for food, the Goths would fight for the Romans, and they would be in charge of taking Spain back. Now, currently, Spain was the main theatre of action with the barbarians. The barbarians had swept through Gaul, ripped yeah. it clean, yeah. and now were just taking Spain apart. So the hub of war. Yes, that's what Spain is. Because Constantius now has the Goths on side, he decides he can now take on these barbarians. Hmm. And currently there are four main groups, Two separate groups of Vandals, yeah. the Alans and the Subi. First of all, they take on the smaller group of Vandals and okay. wipe them out to a man. Nice. Don't have the details, but they are now gone. Okay. The biggest problem in the area were the Alans. They were the biggest group, they were the most dangerous group. They'd been ravaging the land for ten years now, but they were also wiped out. Nice. Not completely. There were some survivors, and they went and joined the second group of Vandals, but... The Alans are no longer a problem. Okay. Within two years, Spain is in much better shape. Although there are still those two groups left, the Suvi and the, the Vandals, but it's a lot better. Mm. And it's at this time that Constantius decides to deal with the Goths once and for all. <laughs> yes, they were working for him at this moment, but the situation could not continue like it was. I get a feeling this is the linchpin. Where things start to go bad? No, not at all. Really? No, because this is when Constantius decides to settle the Goths in southwest Gaul. Ah, oh, so make them Romanize them. Yes, he does oh. what Honorius refused to do earlier and give them some land, which is what they've been after all this time. We just want a home. So, the Goths finally have some land to call their own, which is close to Spain, so they can nip across Pyrenees and uh, do some fighting, and then yeah. come back home for winter and uh, spend Christmas back at home. Yeah, so things are looking quite good there. Yeah. It was on this relatively solid footing that he receives the title of Patrician. So, yeah, so he gets promoted to Patrician. Title we've not seen before, but it's not a new one. It's just not really mm. mentioned before. Not only that, but he was made consul yet again in 417, and the biggest of them all... He, this is when he marries Gala Placidia. 
Ooh. In 417, they have their first child. And then in 419, their second, a son, which they call Valentinian, who becomes Valentinian III. So now, as father of the heir, consul for the third time, and patrician, Constantius had full political control and organised himself to become the co-emperor of the West. I don't blame him. He's He's been brilliant so far. In 420, he becomes emperor. Who, who decided that? Him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But Honorius gave the rubber stamp. All right. However, there was some bad news. Theodosius II, in the East refuses to acknowledge Constantius. Oh, that's not fair. Constantius isn't part of the Theodosian family. How dare he proclaim himself emperor? Mm. Constantius not happy about this. Theodosius II, son of Arcadius, remember, is only 19 at this point, <laughs> and like his father, was doing very little. In fact, his 20-year-old sister seemed to be running things over there. Yeah. Constantius looked at his list and added one more thing. Unify the empire. <gasps> These children in the East didn't know anything about running an empire. It was time to go and sort them out. Ooh. He readies his troops. And then, tragically, because I would have loved to have seen what happened next, he suddenly becomes ill and dies. Oh, no. Yes. No! That means we get a low score. He did nothing. <laughs> After all that. But, you say he did nothing. He did loads. Yeah, but he wasn't emperor at the time. No, We're ranking the emperors. That's fine. We've always taken into consideration their whole lives. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So he did loads. Yeah, he did loads. Oh, brilliant. Right, let's rate him. (laughs) Thank goodness. Fightius Maximus. Okay, Fightius Maximus. Very good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sources are very thin. You you just don't hear much about him, because there's not much about him. Mm. But, (laughs) But if you piece everything together, which some historians obviously have and then actually put it all together in a list, you get a very impressive list. Yeah. So, there's a good chance he fought in the battle against Arbogast under Theodosius. Remember the windy one? Yeah. Where they were going to lose, but it was windy that day, so they didn't. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, as a young man, there's a good chance he fought in that battle. He would have fought any battles that Stilicho fought. He would have been there. He was working under Stilicho, so he had all that experience again. So it's not a bad background, but Mm. then we get to see some really good stuff once he's in power. He defeated the usurper Gerontius in open battle. He defeated the usurper and actual emperor Constantine III in Mm. a siege. He, or his lieutenant, we're not sure about this one, defeated the usurper Heraclianus, or at least made him run away. (laughs) He cut a deal that led to the defeat of the usurper Jovinus. He defeated in battle or outmaneuvered the usurper Italus. So that was five usurpations put down under him. Yeah. His military manoeuvring also led to the surrender of the Goths, which meant that they could be settled finally in an area that Rome wanted them to be settled in. Yeah. It was under Roman terms eventually that settlement happened, not nice. under Gothic terms, which would have been very important to the Romans. And that in turn meant that they could use the Goths to wipe out two of the four main invading groups. So he did all that. Yeah, but what did he really do? (laughs) Bad. Um, He didn't quite wipe out the rest of the invaders because they never, ever do get wiped out. No. But I wouldn't Um, say that's negative, though, against him. No. I mean, some of that, you could argue, should be under successors Ultimus because it was um, cutting deals. But I think it shows that he knew when to fight and when not to fight. Yeah. And when he chose to fight, he always won. And when he chose not to, he still managed to get victories. And he's, he's done 
what he's restabilized that area in a way. Yeah. Compared yeah. to what it was, it was a mess before. It was a complete and utter mess, and wow. this is now actually looking fairly good again. I'm very. I, I was expecting nothing from him. Yeah, I know, I know you were. <laughs> um, yeah, it's wow. it's an impressive fighty. I'm. I'm after, I might score him a nine. Yeah. But maybe an eight. Cause it wasn't the whole empire. It's just on the west. But you did so well. Yeah, I'm. I'm hovering between eight and nine myself. So I always remember we gave Trajan nine. For just taking over the Persian Empire. Mm. And that's a big thing. But... I mean, you didn't quite do that. No, but is that actually harder or easier than what Constantius has done? Constantius went from a position where everything was literally falling apart and managed to... I need to beat loads of Romans for even even start on the barbarians. Yeah, Trajan had the force of the entire empire behind him. Mm. Although he was taking on another large empire, it's a very mm. different type of fighting, yeah. isn't it? I'm even an eight then, and I think that's fair. If you're going, I'm, I'm going to go nine. You're going nine. If you're going eight. Ooh. I'm going nine because I think okay. he deserves that little bit of a, a tip up. That is a very respectable seventeen for Fighters Maximus. I, I think he's beaten the last couple of emperors just already. Caprovium Okay, not much here, but we've got a little bit. His rise to the top was not a clean one. No. I'm going to have to take you back to Honorius's episode here. Okay. If you remember, when Honorius was dealing with Alaric... Yeah. ...and Olympius fell from power... Yeah. ...but wasn't, like, exiled or anything, he just lost his influence, mm. Honorius turned to a man named Jovius. He was the one doing the negotiating, getting really annoyed, remember? Right. Yeah, yeah, with everything, yeah. yeah. However, Jovius does not last long, and was taken over by a eunuch named Eusebius. Okay. Yeah. He didn't last long either as chief oh. advisor. He was ousted by a general named Alabicus. Alabicus had Eusebius clubbed to death in front of Honorius. Now, it's really hard to figure out who's who, but you get the impression this is the Olympius and the Stilicho factions fighting against each yeah, other. Yeah. Alabicus being one of the Olympian okay. factions, <laughs> I think. It's hard to figure this out. This is roughly when Constantine III has become emperor up in the north. Constantius then makes his power play. He convinces Honorius that Alabicus was actually being paid by Constantine and plotting a usurpation. Using this story, he was also able to have Olympius clubbed to death. So Constantius manages to use some political wrangling to wipe out two of his opponents. He ordered the death of Olympius and Alabicus by having their ears cut off then placed in front of Honorius while they beat them to death. Nasty. Yes, that's, it's, a bit like, it's got a bit of reservoir dogs there. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuck in the middle with you. Rip. <laughs> now dance. It probably was exactly like that, actually. Yeah. yeah. Just you... Pounding techno music in the background. Keep dancing. Yeah, well, well, we can't hear the music. Constantius is accusing one of them of being a mole to Constantine. So <laughs> I can tell straight away he's not actually a mole, Constantius. <laughs> I think you're lying here. So I think you've got Alabicus on the floor. He's just been shot. And then, then you've got Olympius tied in the chair. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's going on there. Anyway. <laughs> so there's that. A little bit mean. And then also we've got the marriage of Galla and Constantius, which sounds like a fairy tale story, doesn't it? The brave yeah. prince rescues the princess for the useless king. However, this is far, far from the truth. As far as we can tell, Gala and Atulf were actually very happy together. 
Hmm. Gala was obviously devastated when her son dies and then her husband. Yeah. So she wasn't in the best of places when she was finally rescued and apparently did not take kindly to Constantius, ripping her away from what she'd established as her home. She was less than pleased when Honorius told her that she was going to wed the general. And I will quote, Honorius took her by the hand and, despite her protests, gave her over to Constantius. So, not a happy marriage. Probably. Now, you see this all the time, that um, it wasn't a happy marriage. Yeah. So I did what I usually do and looked, tried to find the original sources where we get this from, and that sentence is all I could find. Oh, okay. So, perhaps it's actually a bit of a leap to analyse an entire marriage based on that one sentence. It could be the fact he didn't put the bedsheets back when he got out of bed. <laughs> yeah. Or rinse out the sink. It could be. I mean, it shape. could just be she didn't want to get married for political reasons rather than disliking Constantius as a person. Yeah. Or was just sad. She or wasn't was happy because she was just sad. Yeah, we just don't know enough. Um, but it's generally accepted that this was not a happy marriage. Okay. I don't think we could really give any points in the Probium Crazy. No. But I didn't know where else to put that little bit of story. Um, so yeah, points for Probium Crazy. Nope. None at all? Not even for chopping off ears and clubbing someone to death? Well, he, he probably didn't make that ruling, did he? He just put them in that position. And to be fair, they were both horrible. <laughs> they were, and they'd already <laughs> done it to someone else. Yeah, exactly. Um... I'm going to give him one, though. You're going to give him one? Yeah, I mean, he's not... We've had some emperors where we've got literally nothing at all. That's true. And at least we've got a story of him cutting someone's ears off and clubbing them to death. I think that deserves a point. Yeah. Yeah? All right, fine. It's one. One. Success ultimate. Okay, he had a list at the start, didn't he? He massive list. And he pretty much completed all of it. Wow. Gaul and Spain were stabilised enough that taxes started coming through again. He finally settled the Goths. Yeah. He he peased them as well. This group of Goths, remember, came over the Danube in Valen's episode. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's how long ago. And they've been causing problems ever since. And Constantius finally seems to have sorted this problem. Yeah. Now, I don't want to give anything away. It's certainly not perfect, but... It's looking good at the moment. It looks like we're back on the upward track now. Yes. Generally, the empire is vastly better than when he started. Mm. Bad. Britain is lost during his time. Ah. Sort of. But I'm definitely putting the blame more on Honorius and Constantine III for that. This was early on in Constantius's power. Constantine III is the person who stripped the the province bare, yeah. and then didn't send anyone to help with Saxon raids, so... Uh, but you could count that against him. Yeah. Um, he didn't actually sort out the biggest problem, which was the mass invasion. Although he did do some good inroads, and considering that mass invasion's now been going on for an entire ten years, <laughs> he is yeah. the first person to actually do something substantial about it. He felt like they took the wind out of the sails, it's like, all oh, the biggest threat, like the Allens, the biggest, he's taken them out. Yeah. You... You've got to be careful of the Allens. They will reorganise your office space. Oh, send no. some nasty memos. Ruin your farm. Oh, stand on your turnips. Step on your plums. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want Allens stepping on your plums. So, good and bad with that one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think? He's destabilised the Empire. You say it's in a much, much better position than it has been. Yeah. He settled the, the long-lasting Valens Gothic mess that's been happening. Yeah. They're getting money back in from taxes again. So. Yeah. 
I think it's quite successful, to be honest. I think it's very successful myself. Seven or eight. Mm. I, can't, I can't go more than that because, you know, I say more successes in the whole empire is now stable. That's me for a ten. Yeah, he's he's not in the league of Aurelian. No. But I'm happy to talk about him in the same sentence. Mm. Which for an emperor I've never really thought of before. No. I'm quite shocked by. I'm impressed. I'm giving him an eight. Uh, it wasn't dire situation at the start. I'm not sure if I can go as high as eight. I think I might go for a seven. Okay. Um, but it's a very good score there. Very good. That is a fifteen. Ooh. He's well, already in the thirty club. Ooh, not bad. Yeah. Image face. Okay. What's he look like? Oh, a badass. <laughs> no, he's gonna look weird, isn't he? Like slightly thin face, curly hair on top, weird-looking, stary up eyes. We skin. don't have a bust. Oh. No, we've okay, got a so coin. Um, but you are right, he's very generic in the sense that they all do at this time on their coins. They might as well be the same person. I'm not convinced the people in the coin place <laughs> changed it. <laughs> I, I think they literally pulled an all-nighter one night and just made 30 faces and went, this will do for the next 200 years. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're just, whenever someone gets on the throne, we choose whichever one looks the most like him. Yeah, oh, I like that idea. Yeah, that's yeah. what they probably did. It's probably easier. Right. You've drawn a picture. <laughs> you know what? That's not far off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Close yeah. mouth. Long, beaky nose. Yeah. As in very... His very forehead, his nose, yeah, sort of joins together. Haven't got the shocked eyebrows of Constantine Three. That's true. Got more of a, a frowny eyebrow. Quite a big double chin. Yeah, or is that just a... Bump in the coin. It's hard to tell. I don't know. To me, that seems like a big curved chin. I think. That's... Yeah, it could be a curved chin. It's like quite a round face. Yeah. It's got an ear that looks like the bass clef. Yes. <laughs> and um, lots of jewelry as well, like earrings and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. And necklaces jewelry all over the place. Um, can't say I'm hugely impressed. Not really. No. It's always a shame when they've only got a coin. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give him two. I was gonna. I was gonna say two. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a one for Imagofacia. Temple completed. Ah, oh, see, this is where he's not going to score well, is he? No, he does not do well here. How long do you think he was emperor for? A couple of months. Seven months. Seven months. Seven months in 421. Yeah. Which is, when you look at the list of emperors, and you're looking at how long they ruled, is why your eye quite often just flicks over Constantius. Yeah. Because he's there next to Constantine III, who only ruled a couple of years. And then Constantius III, who only ruled for seven months, and you just go, oh, they were clearly no good. Mm. Well, Constantine III wasn't any good, but no. Constantius. Yeah. Mm. So, seven months gives him a score of 0 0.08. Isn't great, which gives him a final score. It's in the 30s club. Oh, yeah. But it's not truly amazing. No. But it's a very respectable 34.08. Nice. Yes, not bad at all. Currently puts him in 22nd place. Okay. He is just below Galerius and just above Titus. Interesting. Yes, not bad. He's two above his namesake Constantius, hmm. but he's a fair bit below Constantius too. Mm. Is yeah. It's because of he wasn't crazy. He, he, he wasn't crazy and he wasn't he emperor for any time yeah. to speak of, and his looks weren't great, but... Mm. Again, he picked his rounds. He was yeah. successful and fighty. Oh, yeah. He did well there. But the question is... Do they have a certain genesis? 
Now, I remember when giving Theodosius his Genesis are, mm. and me saying, that's probably it. <laughs> Unless there's a hidden gem somewhere I don't know about. I'm willing to say this is a hidden gem that I, I wasn't aware about. Yeah, I've really enjoyed researching this period of Roman history. There's a lot going on, and I just did not realise how much Constantius III did. He's genuinely fantastic. I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, and it's such a shame. Such a shame that he died when he did. Because mm. I really could have seen him going over, just taking over Theodosius II, and just going, right, I'm ruling everything now. He could have changed everything. He could have done. Yeah. Shame he died. <laughs> but he died. A loser. Which is a shame. Um, but yeah, I I am very impressed. I am willing to give him Genesis uh, I'm also willing to give him a uh, Genesis R as well. Are you? I think he's definitely earned it. So are we saying yes? We're saying yes. Oh yes, we're saying yes. Genesis So it's the first time in a long time. Yeah. Probably the last time. Hey! Well done, Constantius, for being a hidden gem. Yeah. And he saw what you talk about and say, did you know? Yeah. Did you know? Yes. They weren't all useless at this time. Yeah. There were some decent people. See, Stilicho is, like, by far the most famous yeah. of this period. Yeah. And I would argue that Constantius is definitely up there with Stilicho. I it's agree. It's a shame Stilicho doesn't get his own episode. He would yeah. have done quite well. But, yeah, Constantius seems to have continued Stilicho's mm. good run. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. That is Constantius done. So, if all goes according to plan, mm. I am currently in Capri, and you're currently just ending your holiday. Yeah. Yes. So is now the 19th? Possibly. I've just ended it, maybe. Are you just getting home, are you? Oh, that's sad. Oh, that is sad. I barely thought I'd been there. No. <laughs> yeah, so in theory, this is working, and you, our listener, won't notice that we've gone on holiday, um, because we're recording this a fair bit in advance. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we're not going to record another episode for ages. Yeah, two weeks. But when we do, it's going to be Theodosius II, Ooh. the son of Arcadius. We're going back to the east. Yes, we are. For the second to last time in season one. Oh. Yes. Predictions? Meh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's all going to go downhill now. I say that all the time, but, you know. Yeah. I, I, I have a feeling. Okay. Well, we'll Rumbling see. in my tumbly. <laughs> we will see. Right, okay, that's all we need to do for this week then. Uh, don't forget, you can join our Facebook page. Where we've got a Twitter, we've got Instagram as yeah. well, because we're all modern now. Have you done anything in the I'll two days up. since we recorded last episode? Up, yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Still, Still haven't checked that out. No. I should do that. I wouldn't bother. No, fair enough. Waste of time. You can also download us from iTunes, Podbean and Stitcher. And don't forget, in a couple of months, we start on our American presence to start ranking as well. Yes, we do. Busy sorting out the artwork for that at the moment. Yeah, and the music. And the music, yes. Which I, I put together yesterday, but you heard last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm <Yes>. confused. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and all we need to say now then is... Genesis up. Check. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
Do, do you mean Jeff? And you'll be launching the largest battle in the history of mankind. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. It's not petty, that was, that was my mug Steve was drinking out of. We'll be united in our common interests. Well, all 20 of us. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. Well, what's that got to do with anything? And you'll once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression or persecution, but from annihilation. You're right there. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. Oh dear. And we shall win the day. The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. What? But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're gonna live on. We're gonna survive. I really don't think we are. Wait, there's only 20 of us? Run away! Run for your lives! Totalis rank him. Ah, that could be a problem. You've got coffee, haven't you? Coffee. <laughs> this week, Typhoo. Or we could just do a podcast called TV Coffee. Oh! And one of us drinks tea, one of us drinks coffee, and then at the end we both rate our experience out of ten, and whoever gives the highest score wins. I like that. Yeah. I think a lot of people listen to that. I think it would be good. <laughs> Have a bonus biscuit around as well. Oh, yes. Dunkability. Which was like, you don't you don't see biscuits with coffee unless you get biscotti, like the Italian sweet yeah, that's thing. True. Do you not dunk biscuits in your coffee? No, I don't dunk biscuits in tea that often to be fair. No, nor do I actually. But I would dunk it coffee as much as tea if I were a dunker. Mm. No one's ever accused me of being a dunker. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me be the first. You're a massive dunker. Oh, thank you. No problem. <laughs> Alright, I feel like we've thoroughly warmed up now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With cripping conversation. <laughs> so that goes in the end of the episode. The entirety of it all. Oh, only three and a half minutes. That's not too bad. <laughs> felt a lot longer. Sounds <laughs> 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 to get hungry. <laughs> <clears throat> Constantius 3. Sorry, the, the sound guy's on strike. Voice guy. Unions, eh? Yeah. Apparently don't pay him enough, or at all. I feel under pressure today to do it, I don't know. Yeah? Yeah, I feel subconscious. I'll, I'll, stop, I'll stop looking at you. Do you need to have a shot of whiskey to get going? No, no, yeah. I don't want to be reliant on that to get me through the day. Do <laughs> enough for school. <laughs> Constantius! What's going on there? I don't know, I don't know. It's never happened before. Oh. <laughs> Performance. <laughs> <laughs> Performance anxiety, I think. <laughs> Can't get it out. It's okay, it happens to everyone. <laughs> it's the first time though. <laughs> Constantius three! Yeah? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperor's Hotel Rankium. I am Jamie.